Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. another edition of day bird watching your holiday edition sort of the in-between holiday edition uh of Jaybird watching we are part of the stadium scene.tv network shout out to stadium scene i am your host this evening adam corsair and i'm joined of course by my fellow co-host mr craig Gordon and mr brendan Penicar. gentlemen what's going on same old shenanigans man yeah hurry up and wait how was the uh, how was the Christmas, guys? No, the first turkey dinner went pretty well. Okay. First turkey dinner on my own. It was pretty good. It worked out well. I left it to Sarah, but uh, it went very well. <laughs> how about you, Craig? It was pretty good. Um, I will find out that that my parents uh, give, gifting my daughter a basketball hoop was more of a pain in the ass intended. <laughs> yes, the the tech engineering guy had trouble putting a basketball hoop together because let's just say that things were shitty <laughs> oh i feel you i hate uh it, it ever since becoming a dad two and a half years realize the toys that come in it's you're responsible for assembling everything everything and yo shout out to dads out there heed my warning if you're a new dad or you're a dad on christmas and you're like oh i got all these amazon boxes get yourself a box cutter I swear to God, it is the best thing ever. I I cut those boxes down to little squares, and they don't fill up my recycling bin. It is great. If you are a dad, and or just anybody, really, if you get a bunch of Amazon packages, and you're like, how many boxes? Box cutter. I swear. It's simple. Box cutter. Simple and worth it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just. A little, little helpful tip. All right. Uh, so, look, this is going to be our New Year's edition of the show, 2020. To many people, uh, that's a relief. Uh, turning the page to 2021, I am certainly in that camp. 21 is my favorite number, so I'm hoping that 2021 is a good year. It can't possibly get any worse, right? I mean, how can it get any worse than this? About the only thing I could go further. <laughs> yeah, I just, I pretty much just fucked that up. Anyway, so uh, let's talk about some Blue Jays related news. Uh, Brendan, this one we went uh, friendly back and forth on Twitter with. So I'll start with you when it comes to this. 
I want to begin with the fallout of the Haseon Kim signing or lack thereof for the Jays, but in a, an affirmative for the Padres. Um, it was reported that the Jays were at the top of his list in terms of teams he willing to sign with, with San Diego being a close second. His family preferred the West Coast, whereas I think the relation or the 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 kinship with Ryu may have swayed him towards Toronto. Uh, difference was that the Jays weren't willing to guarantee him that he wouldn't be sent to the minors at any point. I don't know if it's just this year or any point, but let's just stick with what we know this year in particular. Uh, they weren't willing to guarantee him that. Um, I don't know what they offered him in terms of track. I don't know what they offered him in terms of term, but the Padres, they signed him. I think it was four years, $25 million, which isn't a lot of money. Um, it's important to note that Sean Yamaguchi also got this same clause in his contract from the Jays that he could not be sent down to the minors, even though there was a minor league camp last year. Even if there was, he couldn't be sent down. So, Brendan, do you consider this at all on the scale of they fucked it up or ah, they could have done better? Do you consider this a fear on behalf of the Blue Jays front office? Well, before I get into my answer to that question, Adam, I'll say for anybody listening that is either new to the show or new to follow my personal account is any Blue Jays, 49ers, any sports-related stuff is all in fun conversation. Um, Unless I don't know you or have a relationship with you, it's probably going to be neutral response that may come across as being an asshole, but it's not my intent. And you'll know when I'm being an asshole, as I'm sure that other people that we've all gotten into Twitter debates with, you could probably tell. But yeah, yesterday's little uh, thing was a nice little teaser for this episode. Um, I'll be honest, Adam um, and Craig, I don't think it was uh, a major mishap of them to not include that no minors clause. Um, for, from everything heard from former players that have played with people that have come from overseas, from Japan, from Korea, um, it is easier, typically, from what we've seen in the sample sizes for pitchers, to get acclimated to the big league game quicker than hitters. There's very few hitters that have come over from Korea or Japan uh, that have really picked it up and run with it, save for Hideki Matsui, uh, Shinsu Chu, and I'm pretty even sure Shinsu Chu uh, came over when he was very young. Uh, but a lot of the other hitters weren't what they were in the KBO or, or in Japan. Um, I think the main difference between inserting a no minors clause in Yamaguchi's deal is it's two years, $6 million, so super cheap where you could just get rid of him if he wasn't very good or hang on to him for a year or two, and then you're done with him forever. Whereas there was a little bit more risk giving more money plus more term, because it really wasn't the term, I think, that sold Haseon Kim to San Diego. Obviously, we don't know the term, but the Blue Jays reported offer was five years. So for the potential op on your roster for five years, as opposed to just stashing a pitcher like Yamaguchi in the back end of your pen, um, it would be tough to carry that bench bat around if he was a flop and there's a chance that he might could be worse than just a bench player. Now I do think that Kim will be there. I think everything that I've read and, and heard that it translates well to the big leagues, but look, I think the, the evidence is there it, it, coming to the major leagues uh, in North America tends to be much more friendly for pitchers than it does hitters. So that's, that's my stance on it. I'm not upset that they missed out on Kim because of that. I'm not terribly worried about it either because it's still moving around pieces in our infield. And that was still not exciting me too much about this whole thing. As much as I did love the idea of adding a young talent to this team, that's a big piece of it where he had to play in the major leagues. And that was the way he wanted it. And that was the clause on it. 
and you couldn't solve that with money guaranteed for some reason. Like, it doesn't seem like that was even part of the conversation in this whole thing. And he, I, he went more and saying, I'm playing in the major leagues this coming season, or I'm not coming to your team, which is fine. But with all these pieces that he would have been forcing somebody out of a position, or he would have been relearning a position coming to the Blue Jays, where I think with San Diego, I think he's going to really slot into that second base spot with no problem, you know? So is they're clearly not going to move Fernando Tatis or Manny Machado in San Diego. Sorry. No. <laughs> you don't care how much money we're bring, bringing you over here for to uh, do that. They could have been throwing Manny Machado money on and then Manny Machado's in his major leaguer. You're not moving him off third base. And same thing with Tatis. He's the one of the most exciting players in major league baseball. And he's probably, he's one of the youngest too. So it's, a little disappointing, but I'm not shocked that he ended up going to anywhere else besides the Blue Jays for that reason. Because in all reality, I wouldn't have been offering him that either. I would have never gave him that guaranteed major league contract right out of this. I would have expected him coming from where he came from. And like Brendan said, the fact that the hitters usually aren't quite as far along in KBO and everything as they would be if they were coming maybe even from Japan. It's still a very, you know very very competitive league in the kbo but and he was the, he was the star so i can see why he wanted that period but it really would not shock me if he stumbled eight and the uh padres have a little bit of a conundrum on their hands and he's gonna be eating a spot on their roster for the whole season for me this is it's extremely disappointing and i don't think i'm alone in this uh the thing that gets me the most when it comes to um, why this is so disappointing is because how often do we have free agents that actively want to play for Toronto where they're, they're American or international players. Uh, How, how often does that happen? And I think when you have a player that is eager that Toronto is at the top of the list, all right, that, that doesn't happen often. If Toronto's at the top of the list, um, you have to capitalize on that. You have to take advantage of those situations. Um, and if you don't, I think that speaks volumes. Now, like, again, I don't want to just, you know, play this trump card of no one wants to sign with Toronto. But let's be honest, it's rare. It's rare that free agents uh, of a top tier talent, which we think Kim is, um, maybe not right off the bat into the MLB, but there's a good chance that he can make some sort of an impact. Um I think you got to capitalize on that. And look, I get it. I get that you don't want to clog up a roster spot. But, come man, we got Derek Fisher that they refuse to do anything with because he's out of options. I get it. But you can do better. And I and I get that the money is significantly different. But we're talking six and a quarter million dollars a year. You don't think that's tradable? That's certainly tradable. And you can package that easily if it doesn't work out. And if it doesn't work out, what are you sacrificing? $25 million? That's nothing. That is absolutely nothing relative to what we have uh, you know, or what other players are, are being locked up to and other teams that aren't producing. And look, we've had Drury on this team. Brandon Drury played on this team and he wasn't clogging a roster spot. Come on. Reese McGuire wasn't clogging a, ro- a roster spot. I, I, you can't convince me that the uh, Billy McKinney. I mean, you can't convince me that this guy at six and a quarter million dollars would have been a detriment to this lineup. At best, he could have been a bit. Sorry, at worst. You could have been a bench player and you need to take advantage of that. And plus it's just costing you money, right? This isn't costing you prospect capital. This isn't costing you trades that you might regret later down the line, i.e. Lindor. If that is even is to happen, right? It's just money. And if the blue Jays are the richest ownership in baseball, which they are, 
by all intents and purposes, by the numbers, they are. And if they are in a good position to start buying players, which they are in comparison to other teams, you can't let this slip through your fingers. You just can't. There's no excuse for it. And you do this to Yamaguchi. Yeah, I get it. The contract is significantly different again. But still, I mean, he it's not like he produced that well last year. And I'm sure they're like, ah, we, we really should be using this guy to the minors. But, you know, we can't. I have a, maybe this is just, you know, blind faith, but I have a feeling Kim would have been more productive for the Jays, had a higher war for the Jays than Yamaguchi did. And it's just year one out the bat. And my response to, you know, uh, international players from the KBO, yes, this person wasn't directly and only exclusively with the KBO, but I, oh, who's the, oh. Just slipped my mind. I just had the mind. I just fucked it all up. Who's the dude that played for the Brewers that played for the Jays and went to the KBO? Oh, Thames. Yeah, Eric Thames. He had a resurgence from the KBO, and he came into the MLB, and he lit it up. He did not skip when he came and played for the Brewers right away. I have a feeling this could have been something similar with Kim. That's just where I stand. I think that this is not a, a, a monumental nuclear failure for the Blue Jays front office, but when someone wants to play for the Blue Jays, you sign that, especially on a $25 million deal. Just get the table flip over with, man. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> and look, I don't, I don't want anyone to think I'm coming. I'm not attacking anybody. It's just I'm very passionate when it comes to missed opportunities when it comes to the Blue Jays. This is nothing to – I'm not attacking you, Brendan, or you, Craig, at all. It's just a difference of opinion. I, I get that. But uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, just, it's just a passionate thing when it comes to the, to the front office. That's all. Go ahead. Um, so I, I just got to mention uh, the fact that I think we it was like two, three weeks ago, we were talking about what Blue, Jay, Blue Jays moves they have to make or should make. This is the one that I mentioned that was yes. the best move yeah. for the Blue Jays because of what you had just laid out. No, no prospects lost. You don't lose anything for draft pick compensation. Money, 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 money really added up to. And if, if the dollar amount was the same, for the alleged Blue Jay offer, and the only thing missing was the guaranteed major league thing. I'm sorry, now that is stupid. It's literally, you just missed out on a guy that could be, like you said, what we have been seeing emerge from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I yeah. honestly think that same mold is what is going on. In all reality, isn't that the same exact contract that we offered Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to come to Toronto? For a two deal, he just had to go through the minors. Was the only difference? Yeah, I think he got a little. He's getting eight a year, so it's it's not significantly more, but he's getting eight million compared yeah. to six and a quarter. So I mean, it's whatever. Maybe the reason that he wasn't freaking out about having to do a minor leagues. Oh well, fuck it. I'm making eight mil a year. Who gives yeah. a shit? Like, you Even if we <laughs> paid him eight million four years, eight million a year for four years, I still would have done that. It's just money. Yeah, exactly. So, but. Hey, it is what it is. Unfortunately, yeah. they missed out on a great talent. I, and regardless of how he stumbles, I honestly think this is going to be one of those situations. This kid is going to have not, they're not going to have enough footage on for major league hitters or pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. They're going, he's going to get off to looking like a god, I think. He's going to come up the world on fire, and then he's going to completely fizzle out for like a month and a half. Mm. And then he's going to have to reestablish himself. His. Big, his upside is only as good as he's going to be able to adjust, I really think. At least initially. I think eventually he's going to get there one way or the other. Similar to what we've been seeing, you know that Vlad Jr. is going to get better, right? He's not been doing <laughs> He's not been doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially what we've been seeing him do in the Winter League so far. Um, I He's going to get there, I think. And I think he's going to be a valuable 
big player at some point, and Tim's going to run away with that, I think, in San Diego, because look at that talent. Yeah. You, you talk about having him in that lineup right now. What is the worst-case scenario? He's batting eighth with no pressure in that ridiculous lineup they're starting to field in San Diego. It's going to look insane, especially if he ends up starting to do well, and you have him and Tatis in the two and three, two and three hole. That could be something really intriguing, especially with the kind of game that Kim is, you see from his stat line. He could be a very big igniter at the top of the lineup with his bat ball skills. So we'll see. It really is what it is, but sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Brendan, do you want to add more? Yeah, sure. uh, and it, look, I totally understand that people are upset. And Adam, every single point you make is, is legitimate. It feels like every single box was checked for the Blue Jays. He, he's, he's controllable. He's cheap. He wants to play here. He has a relationship with Hunjin Ryu. There's five boxes right there. It seems like the only box that wasn't met for the Blue Jays was that minor league clause. And they're like, sorry, this is a deal breaker. So the fact that everything they preached added up except for that sixth uh, box. Uh, I can I totally understand people being upset by it. It's just me personally, it, it doesn't bother me. Um, and it also kind of, in a way, excites me because I think it puts more pressure on the front office to legitimately get a deal done soon to help the fan base realize, yeah, look, we were in on Kim. We offered him five years. That's what the rumor was. Um, I'm going to guess that they tried to offer more money to make up for the lack of, of a no minors clause. Um, which maybe that that was a big deal breaker for him. So I just hope that this really legitimately puts serious pressure on them to sign Springer or sign JT Real Muta or make a trade for somebody that's available that we don't publicly know about, whether that's the, the Reds package that we talked about last week uh, or whoever it is. I just think it puts more pressure on the front office to get it done. And if they don't get it done, if they don't get Springer done, if they don't get JT or Bauer or any of the big free agents, and we are still having this conversation in the beginning of January or the end of January, beginning of February. Then I will look back and be like, so why didn't you guys just pull the trigger on Kim? Because that could have been a for sure thing. So as of now, I'm not upset. That's right. As of now, I'm not upset about it. I could be in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just taking it as th- there's bigger fish to fry, and that's George Springer. Yeah. Good, good, good. Well, this is for when we're done with the topic. If you're going to add something, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that, you know, and I understand that situations are different. They're not directly parallel. Um, but, you know, if we're really going to compete this year, this may not be, you know, entering into the equation. It may not even be relevant. But this is a team that, granted, Rule 5 pick, held on stubbornly to Luciano, Luciano for the entire season when he was clearly not ready. And I get it. You can't. You know, he'll he'll get put back to the team or go through waivers that he was picked up through Rule 5. I pick at the team they picked him off of. But still, like, you can't tell me that you can't make bench space for this guy if he doesn't work out. I don't understand. This is a this is a team that traded for VR. And they and they benched him the last game of the year in a must-win playoff game. Like, what are we doing? Oh, I get it. I'm just saying you have the roster space. You have the bench to do this. I do not see a situation where they're like, oh, man, you know, we can't, we can't send him down the minor, so we're not going to sign him. This to me, and I get it, uh, Brennan, if they sign Springer, this is going to be a moot point, and I'm just getting upset for nothing. Or if they trade and extend Lindor, you know, this is a moot point. It's whatever. We're getting, I, on at least on paper, a better talent. But 
to me, it's just they're so stubborn in their ways. And on the one hand, it's really good to stick to the plan and trust the process. But on the other hand, this is exactly what we experienced in the playoffs. You're stubbornly sticking to a plan. and It's going to kick you in the ass and it might not work out for you. You can't be so strict in your ways. You have to be fluid. And if this is how they're operating their uh, free agents, their pursuit of free agents, I am not confident. And that that to me screams this. You got to be loose. You got to be fluid with your situations. And if you're not, mm -mm, I, I don't trust that they can get a Springer. I don't trust that they get uh, a Rio Muto. I don't trust that they can get a Bauer because they're they're just not going to bend just like they didn't do in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point I wanted to make a minute ago, because we actually sure. have been having a lot of chat for stuff already this evening. Uh, fellow podcaster, Chris Key. Uh, first off, he says Adam and Craig like fun. Brendan doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, second, he goes, if we don't get Kim like we didn't, that means Fisher 21. And then he's got a bunch of exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> so had to end it on the Derek Fisher comment. <laughs> I'm gonna be neighbors, man. I'll be living like 15 minutes from you in a month. Come on now. I'll throw off some beer cans at his house. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just it's frustrating, and it, it gives me a sense of uh, a lack of confidence, rather, in their pursuit of free agents. I would love for them to prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong. But the evidence historically has shown that they are not willing to bend. And if you're not willing to bend at all, you're just not going to get things done. You're just, it, it, you gotta just bend the knee a little bit to the players you want to sign in order to improve your squad. Because Brennan, you, you sort of alluded to it. If we walk in with this squad in February in spring training, Shelton's wrong. There's something wrong with their ability to pursue free agents. That's all. I got nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> and I dropped. Right. Yeah, are we are we good on Kim? Very good on Kim. We're, we said all right. And the another rest no, of it. <laughs> but, no, all right. Uh, speaking of the Padres, uh, Blake Snell is out of the AL East, and he was recently traded to the San Diego Padres. Who look really good right now. There's gonna be um, trend going on in this show. Just yes. saying, we might. Like a San Diego Padres podcast this evening. Padres pod. We we discussed the 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 dream of him being traded to the Jays, but we also acknowledge that an interdivisional trade was slim to none. Um. So Craig, we'll start with you. Does this open? Because we know he's a beast. He's gone. Does this open the window a little bit for the Jays to pursue uh contention? In the AL East. Now, I, I, I get it. The Yankees are still there. We don't care about the Orioles. I'm, I'm surprised I even acknowledged their existence. Red Sox are rebuilding. Uh, oh, sneaky good. Let's be clear. Blake Snell is not the exclusive reason w why they got to where they went last year, but he was a significant reason. So do you think this improves the Jays' chances to, uh, to compete in the AL for the 2021 season? I think it puts a lot of pressure on the uh, Tampa Bay race. I really do. Just because of the fact that you you removed an ace. Not to mention, they didn't just lose it. Snell. They let Charlie Morton walk. So yeah. you're talking about two biggest pieces of their rotation. Just, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I've seen some of these prospects that are coming back in the trade, it's, um, especially Pinto. Um, and he is 
he's probably going to be Blake Snell. Yeah. yeah. Quick. Yeah. Is he going to be Blake? Sorry, I said Pinto. I'm thinking cars. That's not good. Luis Patino is a basically led the uh, El Paso Chihuahuas, which is the AAA affiliate of the San Diego Padres, to two consecutive uh, championship appearances. So this kid is something. And the reason he really wasn't with the team too much in the last two seasons, period, after he flew through the minor league system for the Padres, was because they just didn't want to have him on the roster yet. It was the... Eh, just keep working on these few things in the minor league system. Not that I wasn't ready. Or they definitely couldn't use the pitching depth for somebody like him. <laughs> so that is I but as far as the direct on paper rotation for the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a serious debt in a chamber team that went to the World Series and really went toe to toe with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm. Who you got you guys know it. There's only like what, seven or eight teams that had a lower payroll than the Tampa Bay Rays. They always Always find a way to win, but that's too big pouring rotation that art is readily substituted as you would think. They're going to be more or less plugging in guys that are going to be consistently average throughout the rest of their rotation and hoping to get the best out of them. Now, instead of having this, then Patino could come in and just completely wreck everybody and they don't even look like they miss a step. Right. I think he's going to start the season with the Rays Meyer League system one way or the other, unless he comes out and just obliterates everybody in spring training. But I still think no Rays control stuff. But I think because he's already got to be on the 40-man roster because of this trade, too. So mm. there's a little bit of a uh, caveat there. But as far as the offense goes, the Rays haven't changed. And if anything, they're going to find a way to get better. And they who did they grab? They grabbed somebody so that already made me go, shit. <laughs> uh, I don't <laughs> so, know. I mean, look, I can't remember. I saw the look. So I, I think that they're going to be just as annoying and pesky as they always have been. Plus, there's always the trop advantage against every major league baseball team. Hmm. I don't know what it is about that place, but it ruins everybody. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, what say you, Brendan? I, I have a new resolution that I'll let you guys in on. And I've been, I've done this for years, as I always, always, Overlook and understudy and I'm not going to fall <laughs> trapped to that again. Um, they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They always seem to be correct in trades they make. I think the Blake Snell trade is going to work out for them. Um, and I think letting Charlie Morton wanting to go, despite him wanting to stay in Florida, will work out for them. That's because coming up, let's remember. So Glasnow, Ron Yarbrough has killed and owned the Jays for whatever damn reason, even though he doesn't throw overly hard, just mixes his pitches really well. Glasnow is every bit as good as Blake Snell. And now they have Shane McClanahan that came up last year for them. And they still have Brett Honeywell, who is coming off of injury uh, and started to get up towards the majors last year. You throw Luis Petit in there, and for some reason, signing of Michael Walker yep. just makes me think He's going to annoy the crap out of her. And Walker will work out, even though he worked out since one of his first few years with the Cardinals. So I really don't think the Rays rotation, we go through 2021 and we look back on it, and we look back at this podcast and say, hey, lost Blake Snell, they lost Charlie Morton. That's an opening for the Blue Jays. I don't think it is. I really don't. I really think that they will be able to survive that. Um, and let's all remember, offensively, they, they lost Hunter Renfro. Um, but that's it, right? Um, they're going to be adding Wander Franco 
at some point soon. And he is every bit as hyped up as Vlad was when he came up here. There will be an MLB Network edition show that they show Wander Franco's first game. So they're going to be good, and they're going to be good for a while. So my New Year's resolution is to not undersell and overlook the race like I always do, because maybe I'll be less disappointed. I won't be as disappointed as I am every single year, and maybe I won't hate them as much. It was the Waka thing I was thinking of, Adam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, forget those playoff god Randy Orozarena is still on this team too, and now he's going to have actually yeah. a place to play all every day. <laughs> Dude, I, I cannot underestimate this team. They seem to know their fault seems to know exactly the appropriate time to deal players and to acquire young talent. They they have it built into it like a science. They do it so well, and uh, ironically enough, I don't know if this is still a rumor, but there was a rumor in early December that they were there may be a uh, an Archer reunion there, which is funny because I thought they got rid of him and traded him away at the most appropriate time. Um, but they sell high at the best times, and they get this value that just keeps making them good for cheap, for so cheap. And and Patino's gonna definitely uh, sort of make that on brand. For the race now, I think that in when you look at it, just you know, on paper, you think, "Oh man, San Diego is going to be really good." Brendan, you sort of again, you said this. Don't discount the Rays and what they're able to do and how they evaluate talent because there could be a chance that a year from now we're going to look back on this and be like, "No, actually, the Rays won this trade." Sort of like how we we evaluate the Tay Oscar trade. Like right now we know the Jays won the Tay Oscar Hernandez trade when they acquired him. We know they did. But at the time we're like, who the, who's this guy? He just strikes out a lot. But it takes time to to evaluate trades properly. I do think that the Rays will be in a position where in a year or two or maybe in this year, who knows, we're saying, "Now they they definitely won this trade." So, does this on paper make the window a little bit wider? Yeah. But if we're saying these things about the Rays, you got to believe that Atkins and Shapiro know what they're dealing with and know talent that the Rays have in their front office or their scouting department in order to recognize talent and what they're bringing in. So uh, I guess in a way I'm saying don't be not you or either of you, just Blue Jays fans. Don't you get in the way of this. Just because Blake Snell is out of the ALEs does not mean that the Rays are out of contention. They, For me, they are still the cream of the crop when it comes to the ALEs until proven otherwise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, make a point. You know, to the, what you were about how they develop talent. You guys remember the story I told you about Rose Arena when I happened to just be in Memphis mm-hmm. and I saw him yeah. playing? Yeah. And I didn't recall the name right off the top of my head once he started going off for the playoffs. But I keep on, I, what they do whenever I go to a ballpark for the first time, I keep score wherever, because nine times out of 10, I'm traveling on my own. So I'm not with a group of people. So I just sit there and enjoy the game with a few beers and hot dogs and whatnot. And I sit there and I keep score and I watch players. Sure enough as shit. One of the guys I circled on that start on that game as a guy to watch out for is, is one of the things I do at the end of the game. I like the guy went over four during the game. But he hit the ball crazy hard with a great contact every at bat to the point where I was wondering, literally going to take out the left fielder <laughs> with the ball. So I circled him on that scorecard. And then the, these are the guys the Rays go after. They knew something was in the tank with that kid. And he ran them all the way to the World Series this year. They rode him like freaking Clydesdale all the way to it. <laughs> you know? so this is the same kind of thing that we're talking about Patino in this trade, but. Don't sleep on those other three guys they got. 
they got a haul for what they gave up in Blake Snell. Because in all reality, the Padres knew exactly what they were getting with Blake Snell and had to pony up for it. Because in all reality, he is still wicked cheap for a guy that has a Cy Young Award under his belt. Yeah. Wicked cheap. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, the last thing I want to say is you can't outraise the Rays. We've said it how many times on this yeah. <laughs> yeah. You cannot outraise the Rays. Look, the only other thing I'll say, and this is obviously a joke, um, the, <laughs> the Rays, with their ability to sell high on guys and just predict it at the absolute correct moment, just for the of. They must be time travelers because yeah. this is the exact same thing I think about the creator of The Simpsons because the creators of The Simpsons have predicted so many world events correctly, whether it's Trump becoming president. They predicted CFL Grey Cups correctly. Like, they're time travelers. The run office has a time traveler in there that knows now is the time to sell Blake Snell before he has to go get Tommy John and is out until 2022 for the Padres. So there yep. you go. Yeah. No. I'm going to show no. my page with this comment, but they, they stole the sports almanac and hijacked the DeLorean. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Whatever they are cooking in that front office, man, they, they, I, I'm jealous. And that's probably the reason why I hate them more than the Yankees and Red Sox. Uh, allow me to digress for a second when it comes to the Simpsons. Did you see me floating around there about the Bills and the Simpsons? No. Why do they <laughs> no, there's a there's a meme floating around with Homer in the stands, in the Ralph with a Bills pennant, and he's cheering for the Bills, and there's a dude like two apart from him, uh, cheering for the Bills too. So like it's it, obviously when they broadcasted the episodes, they're like no one goes to watch the Bills. But funny enough, now that they're allowing people in the stadiums and they have to be spaced out, that's, that's like exactly it. what's happening. <laughs> See, like I they told you, know, they know stuff, man. <laughs> I still am waiting to hear the how much those tickets cost because you know that at, what some jackass is going to do is buy them for that price you told us earlier, and then they're going to sell them for eleven billion dollars. No, <laughs> you can't. They are non-transferable, non-forwardable. You, they're yours. You have to provide your ID when you, the purchaser has to match the ticket. Good. Yeah. I did not know caveat yeah. to it, but that. Yep. Yep. All reality, I was just to see him get scalped for 10 ways for Sunday. Yep. <laughs> no, and it, like, it, say again? Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it, it's crazy because three days before the game, you as the purchaser have a designated COVID test, like for you at the Ralph that you have to be, you have to take in order to go to the game. Wow. Yeah, they're taking it seriously. So shout out to know I'll enjoy my garage tailgate party with a big screen yes. TV. <laughs> Absolutely. No, the only thing I was going to say with the whole ticket thing and need to provide ID, that's kind of like how the Premier League does it when you go to a game. You're, you have a ticket that's tied to your account. You mm-hmm. cannot buy single game tickets for a Premier League game. You have to have the name on it. So when Sarah and I went to England back in February, I bought tickets off a guy who has an account. So I went, I'm like, oh, crap. Like, how am I going to get in? But luckily, you just scan it yourself and you go in. But it's hard to get those. So it seems like it's pretty similar for those built games. Yep, yep. So yeah. they're going to – again, I think the cheapest is like $139 for all taxes and fees and everything. Uh, parking. <laughs> yeah, parking, COVID test, um, and, and just the ticket price itself. Um, but, hey, it's – I'm, it's not like I'm going. I just I'm just looking forward to seeing Bill's Mafia in the stand. well for baseball in you know yes, yes. <laughs> April or if, in Buffalo if up, maybe. If uptight Buffalo is, is or New York in general with all this stuff is 
allowing to break some of this stuff a little bit, something could be brewing. They're using this as a demo anyway. For yeah, especially in the cold months. Um, all right, let's speaking of the new year, speaking of the new season, let's uh, let's shift gears. Let's make this a little bit uh, fun. Um, with 2021 ringing in, I thought it'd be uh, a, a nice little fun thing to do to reflect on great moments when it comes to the 2020 season. Now, I want to relegate this just to baseball. It does not have to be Jay specific. I assume being a Blue Jays podcast, that's the majority of our you know discourse will be when it comes to this. But I do want to stick to just baseball exclusively. So, uh, Craig, we'll start with you. Which moment or moments stick out to you uh, the most and when it comes to the 2020 season and what did the season mean to you? You can answer those in any order you want. I'll answer the second question first. What sure. it meant to me. Okay, work in progress is no longer progress. We are here. We are a 500 baseball team at a minimum right now. And I, in all reality, they are probably better than that. If they can add a few pieces to this rotation and run with it. I think right now our offense remade. And I think we proved that this past season with literally hot podging it together for a while. And having the Jonathan Villar experiment fail and still making it pretty decently into the playoffs. As far as my favorite moment of the season, I'm going to have to say it's the Danny Jansen Grand Slam against the Yankees. You and bastards. <laughs> I have the weird perspective, and I think Adam shares this one with me here, that I have to watch it here in Rochester, New York, on the Yes Network. Yeah, yeah. And as far as that piece of this whole fucking thing goes, listening to Michael Cade, broadcaster for the Yankees, is like the worst thing in the planet for me, other than Joe Buck. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, everybody, you know, <laughs> I don't need to hear about your hair plugs, Joe Buck. I need to hear about what's going on on the game. And I don't want to hear about Troy Aikman. We're reminiscing about the Super Bowl years. I want to hear about whatever the hell's going on on the field. Exactly. So, Michael Kay is at least talking about ball the whole game. I'll give him that. But when he butchers Ryan Goins' name and the Blue Jays play the Yankees how many times in a season? (laughs) He was on the team for how many years in a row? And that last time, 2015, he was on the team. He still couldn't pronounce it. (laughs) Do your job, man. That's all I'm going to (laughs) ask. So that night, watching the Danny Jansen thing going on, the whole night, Michael Kay is literally butchering and lambasting Danny Jansen saying he doesn't deserve to be in the leagues. He shouldn't be batting a buck 90. There's what the blue Jays see in this kid. He's horrible. Just completely blight lighting him up. Then he comes up in that bases loaded situation. And Michael K is all confident that he's just going to whiff and he's going to scout. Innings going to be over. No big deal. Yankees are going to win this ball game without an issue. Mm. Crack. Gone. Literally radio silence on the broadcast for a good minute. <laughs> Couldn't get any better than loved it and like just eat it. Yeah. <laughs> and then watching Danny Jansen hit that home run, perfect in once itself because in all reality, he needed a moment for the 2020 season, and that was a perfect moment for him. And anyways, <laughs> it, was, it is. to still believe. All right. Yes. <laughs> I, I really think the best is to come, but it is really hard to keep rooting for him every week. And how many times did the three of us pick him as our pick to click? I know it was really rough to watch. I just really think that there is still something there, and they can't give up. But if you have a JT Relamuto show up, I'm not going to complain. I really yep. can't. <laughs> so. Danny Jansen, my moment. There you go. 
Brennan? That's a good one. And Craig did give me the lowdown before he hopped on there, Adam, that that was going to be his moment, so it didn't feel like he was stealing it from me. Because he is one of my favorites. It's not my favorite Blue Jay. But, look, I think my favorite moment from the year was opening night. Um, and obviously part of that being our, our live stream. Uh, I was a lot of fun. Uh, because that felt like uh, what would have been, uh, if not for COVID, a weekend where the three of us get together and go see a minor league game or go see the Blue Jays on the road. Um, we watched the game uh, in this new normal on a uh, on a Zoom call or a Teams call, I guess. Um, and we dissected the whole thing. But outside of being able to watch the game with you guys live on video um, and have some drinks and have a good time, that was the start of Reed's Blue Jays tenure. Um, and... Blue Jays fans will feel this way if we sign Springer or sign JT or Bauer. Maybe not so much Bauer, but definitely uh, Springer or Real Muto. It's like, I cannot wait to watch this person play for my team. And it feels mm. that way because it's a free agent signing. And that's why I think free agents, especially when they decide to come to Toronto, it is so special because they're like, they chose to come here. The Blue Jays were the most aggressive. They offered you the best deal and you took it. So I remember it was about a year ago then where Ryu had his introductory press conference. Um, I watched the whole thing and I was just, I was, I was in love with the guy. He made the, the whole joke uh, when he came on and he spoke English for some of it, which I thought was hella courageous for a guy who definitely isn't comfortable speaking English on camera. Saying hello Canada and he threw in the whole bonjour for, uh, yes, for Quebec. Yeah. Um, I was like, this guy's awesome. A little uh, that was, yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> flag wave, exactly. Um, that, that's just that's what he was built to be a goofball. Um, and was super happy to get traded here because he knew Ryu was a goofball, and they're going to be teammates again for the next few years. So, opening day for a multitude of reasons, uh, and the two main ones being the being able to watch it with you guys um, in the new normal of the pandemic, uh, but also as the start of his uh, tenure. Um, the other question in terms of what did 2020 mean to me as a fan, even though it was 60. 60- and it went by super fast. I just think the fact that we got to watch baseball is pretty special. Uh, diversity around if any sports league should have started up uh, during the pandemic. They all have. They all got through 256. Um, baseball pulled out uh, despite, well, I guess not every game. They're fluid with that. But um, despite a few outbreaks on teams and everything like that, I would say it went decently smoothly to be able to watch that and get into that baseball routine again that you normally get from the end of March to the, to the end of October. Come home dinner, sit down and watch a Blue Jays game. For two, for two months, plus you bonus play you're going to get. So it was, just, it was just special and unique, uh, even though it was only 62 games. At 6.30, nonetheless. I know we touched on that last week, but <laughs> at 6.30, nonetheless. Um, I do want to say that uh, opening day this year is at 1 o'clock. It's on April 1st, and the Jays can do that. I would like to do it again. I know work schedules might be a, a, make it a difficulty. But if we can do it, we could. If we can't, maybe tonight in Toronto, we'll do something special for it. But uh, that's a day regardless. This okay. year I didn't have to. Yeah, right. But I, I'll take it off. Right now. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> it off. You got, uh, all right, then there you go. Blue Jays. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Put it on April your calendar. Fool. I, I had two moments in mind. Actually, I had three, but Craig, you you took mine. That was definitely one of the coolest <laughs> moments. And I, I look, I because, you know, I know we give Danny Jansen a lot of slack here, but that was by far one of the best baseball games we've watched all this year. Um, but I, I'll do uh, one celebratory, and I'll do one a little only impactful. 
Um, and maybe one just for fun. But uh, the first one for me, you guys know I'm a huge Kevin Biggio fan. If you don't know, maybe I haven't gushed enough about him on the show. But um, what really put me over the edge being a, a Kevin Biggio fan, you know, when the protests happened and the Black Lives Matter movement in baseball in particular happened, uh, when Anthony Alford was saying, I don't want to take a knee during the national anthem because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. And Kevin Biggio said, if I do it, would that make you? And he just did it without hesitation. To me, that was that was one of the coolest things that I've seen from a professional athlete. And using his sort of the white privilege that we talk about, using that to his advantage and to make fairness a little bit more palpable for people that may not want to you know, experience it or see it. Kevin Biggio stepped up to the plate, no pun intended. And uh, really proved himself to be a man's man. So that was awesome for me and made it a little bit more heightened for me to be, you are my guy, dude. You are my, I will stick by you to the end, Blue Jay or not. So shout out to Kevin Biggio. Um, another one of my favorite moments for this uh, past season, the two claps in a Ric Flair. Dude, Caleb Joseph made that shit. And for me, that has been permeated at the end of this podcast ever since then. We've made it a thing, and I'm sure we're going to continue to make it a thing. That speech, I don't know how you couldn't walk away from that post-game speech and say, that is a manager. That is a future manager right there, Caleb Joseph. So uh, shout out to that. Two claps in a Ric Flair. If you're a Blue Jays fan, you know what that is. You know what that is now forever. <laughs> Um, and lastly, dude, I know this may be a little weird. The, the elimination game, game two, uh, there's something about getting our ass handed to us in the first inning that I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to kick back and enjoy this game. And I remember the post game where you're just like, there's something strangely alleviating of just getting your ass handed to in the beginning and to be like, I'm not even worried about this. Anymore yeah. because, you know, they, you know, there's know. no stress at that oh, well, point. I better have a few more of these. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're just like, eh, what are you going to do? And, it, and that to me, there was a new sense of enjoyment of watching a game that I did it walking into the game, you're on pins and needles. You're so stressed about it. And then the floodgates open against you and you're just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Enjoy this game. And to me, that was one of the coolest moments, at, at least for me as a fan, because I've never experienced that sort of that sense of laid back and easiness when it comes to the game. I'm usually white knuckling my chair. But at that point, I was just like, I'm just going to enjoy this game. And I remember having the post game chat with you guys. And I'm like, I'm not even mad. How can you be mad? No, I'm just not even mad at I this decision. Already went through the seven stages of grief. What are you gonna do? And that's the <laughs> that's the the game that Ryu just got lit up, and we're like, oh, maybe he had some injury concerns or whatever. But uh, those are the three moments that stick out to me the most. And if you want to count the the Danny Jansen home run, the four, um, this team was super fun to watch, and it was it wasn't super parallel to 2015 obviously there was a lot more talent on the 2015 team but it sort of kick-started that that sense of energy that this fan base has no just dying for for the past five years and given the pandemic given the shortened season are we going to have baseball i remember manfred was threatening it doesn't look promising we got to experience blue jays post game uh, postseason baseball and i i think that is I wouldn't trade that for anything, pandemic or not. And it was it was cool to experience. So those moments in the 2020 season, it's you know above all else, we'll I just will never forget them. Can I add one? Yeah, of course. Nate, Nate Pearson's debut against Max Scherzer. Oh yeah, he went toe to toe with him, man. For you know he wasn't in there very long, but 
it gave Blue Jays fans that little glimpse of what we were hoping was coming from Nate Pearson. Hopefully, um, their offseason training and whatnot that he'll be you know ready to go fully instead of uh the in and out stuff that we got at the end of the season there um i had another one i forgot <laughs> oh that comeback versus philly they were down by seven yes rounds. yes that's... so very stuff and then the fact that we can pepper the highway in buffalo with home runs was pretty damn intriguing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> outside there waiting for home yes. run balls. Yes. pretty cool and then hearing uh, then hearing uh, Shapiro shit all over the Yankees about the minor league ballpark thing that was pretty fun. Too. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Now I think about it too. Actually, uh, now that you bring that up, Craig, uh, the Yankees being the biggest whiners and about having to go play baseball games in Buffalo uh, was pretty awesome because I was listening to um, Talking Baseball that podcast with Trevor Plouffe, uh, John Boy, and like some of those Yankees fans. Um, and they had Taiwan one, and, and Walker said they used that to their advantage because they knew the Yankees were coming in here and complaining. They're like, let's own it. Like, let, let, let's make this place our home. We are perfectly comfortable here because they retrofitted it to be for us with huge locker room space, first training facilities. The hotel's a two-minute walk from the, from the ballpark, whereas this team has to go out into that big tent. So the Yankees <laughs> complaining for, every, for the two series they came to Salem Field uh, was awesome. And then, because I remember this night, this August, so when, when COVID was still going on, obviously it hadn't stopped, but when it was like at its lowest peak, our lowest valley in Ontario, so not too much of a scare. Um, Taiwan Walker making his debut, to me, felt near the same as David Price's debut, but it was like, probably I would say 50 to 60% of the way to David Price's debut in terms of excitement, where it's like we got this new stud for the rotation. He was having a good year with the Mariners and his team. And he went out there and pitched six, I think, shutout innings against Baltimore that night. And he won his first start as a J. So I'm like, all right, awesome. Tywin Walker, let's go. And he had a very good Blue Jays head here. And I want him back. I really do. We need him back. Different. (laughs) Especially with all the stuff that we've been talking about. How do you not just throw a brick of money at him right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just missed out on a few pieces. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, but that was where I was at with the whole thing. I think those were the big ones. I think we actually touched on most of the big ones here. Is, um, I would say uh, fans hurry up and uh, get those in, but we're wrapping the show on. Unless there's a couple of people listening out there would like to get in their 2020 moment favorites that we haven't had a chance to touch on this evening. Because, um, you know, how you do your little thing here at the end, Adam, and say, we got anything else? There's actually some questions. Oh, okay. So, well, we can get to that. Well, hold on. Before we get before we get to the questions. I'm just giving you a warning. You can get no, to no, no doubt. You want. No doubt. Hey, we got, we got, I got time. I'm not going. I'm on vacation this week. I'm not. I don't have to do. So I'm, I'm going to go. I, don't, I usually drink seltzers on this. I am drinking liquor on this, so I am good to go. Um, let, let's set our sights to 2021. So we're wrapping up the new year. We, we are eager for 2020 to be, you know, gone and done with. I know we just spoke of positives in 2020. I do think that's important for us to do, all things considered. Um, there are numerous things that the Jays need to do to convince us that they're serious in pursuit of their, you know, goal of being consistent contenders and just a ball club in general. Um, so, Brendan, we'll start with you. What elements do you need to see, whether it's signings, whether it's trades, whether it's improvements from personnel on the team that are already on on there? What do you need to see, you know, baseline 
to convince you, all right, is legitimate in their pursuits to make themselves consistent contenders. I don't want to sound like a broken record. So I'm not going to say George Springer, but he's the number one answer. Um, so I will go outside of George Springer and say I need a number two starter because right now they don't have one. And look, I know I just said I I really want Tywan Walker back and Craig, you added need him back. And I agree. I do think at this point they need him back for that rotation. But Walker in a good rotation, that's a con- consistent winner, sorry, is a number three to me. I think he's very good. Um, and he can be a borderline number two. I don't think over a full 162 or 140, whatever they end up playing this year, Walker's numbers end up being a number two guy. I think he's more in line of a three. So I need a number two starter. Uh, I don't know who that is right now. Um, I really think a starting pitcher of that caliber to slot in behind Hunjin Ryu, or potentially, I'm not going to rule that out either. Um, it's fine with moving guys down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally, absolutely, uh, totally fine to move Ryu down because that's one and one A. Um, yeah, yeah so I need need a number two um, because right now there's just too many question marks behind Hanjin Ryu, and 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 we alluded to it. I think Adam, you brought this up. The potential for his playoff completion, um, maybe being injury related, uh, giving him that extra day. Um, the fact that he went seven innings in that one start and then was complaining about arm soreness after that. Maybe there was some injury concerns. And Ryu's had a whole health issues his entire career with the Dodgers, except for this past year and except for the year before. And like way back in what was it, 2013, 2014, when he first came mm. to the Dodgers? In between there, he was injured all the time. So Ryu, open spot, after that, like they going. Because you don't have Shoemaker under contract, which I'm fine with, uh, unless you absolutely have to bring him back towards the end of the offseason. Um, like, I'll be. Um, they brought Robbie Ray back. I think that's one thing where we haven't really talked about much. Robbie Ray's name hasn't been mentioned enough. He's, he's still here, and he could very well be that top of the rotation type of arm if they get him right. Now, I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting Ray to go four or five. Um, so I think the two spot in the rotation is the most glaring hole this team has right now outside of the outfield. And I'd put it ahead of the outfield because I think you can get by for a little while with Lourdes, with the Oscar and Griff Jermaine three and Davis mm-hmm. as your four. So yeah, I need number two. And if you roll in there and let, let's just say you don't get Springer, you don't get Jackie Bradley Jr. You don't really add a significant upgrade with the bat, which would be disappointment, but you do add a number two. I think you can tread water because going the season to me on paper, that's a better start of the season team than 2015 was. Because 2015 was the deadline where they added all those pieces. Still a very, very good team, but the, I guess maybe not going into it, but the potential to be better starting off that uh, 2015 team yeah. uh, could be the 2021 team. Holy. You guys think that Ryu is really a number one talented guy, but he is actually better off as a number two guy like he was with behind Kershaw in Dodgers? No. Yes, <laughs> yes man. <laughs> Uh, I don't think he's a true ace. I think he's the Blue Jays ace by default. Um, I don't think he's a true number one. I think he'd be better suited as a number two, which alludes to your second part of the chest behind someone like Kershaw. I think that's where he fits in perfectly. Like how we were trucking half out there for you yeah. know, being our ace. Yeah. But I will say that Ryu is about 10 billion times better than Jay Happ ever yeah. was, I think. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but, yeah. And again, there's your fifth starter right there, too. But so I'd sign him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
my turn, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'll say mine's actually a full-on New Year's resolution for the Blue Jays. They need to pick a philosophy with him on the field during a game. That whole thing that we were talking about with the management shit going on with Shoemaker and all that kind of nonsense in the playoffs, I want that fucking gone more than I can even say anything about this team. If you don't have some balls and actually can show what some of these guys can do and deep know when that deviate from that game plan in this coming season, we're going to be having these same talks come 2021 off season. I really cannot stress it enough. There, there's a reason this is a game. Everything can be done on paper. If I could do this, you know, perfect all day, every day on paper, I wouldn't be sitting here goofing around with you guys as much as I do love it. <laughs> so, but anybody could do it at that point. And there's a reason that somebody like Charlie Montoyo is in the managing spot. Give him the ability to actually manage this team when it is playing on the field and have that gut reaction to something and allow this team to really have that on the field presence. And if they fuck up on that point, I'm fine with it. it and let the calculator do all the work. I, that just kind of pisses me off a little bit, but maybe right. it's the old school. For me. I'm perfectly fine with that part of the game being done up front in this time of the season. There's no baseball being played. I judge everything on an analytical level to compare players. Going into training, you can start easing off of the analytical piece a little bit, using it as a tool to make smart decisions, a la the Tampa Bay Rays. But I think the biggest thing is the Rays still know even when to cut bait with their play. And that was the part I think the Blue Jays missed when they were trying to outraise the Rays in the playoffs. And there was plenty of games that we have talked about during the season, too, I think, guys, we really won 10 more games than our record shows this year. And it was because we outmanned ourselves, not so much the fact that the game went away from us. They got too smart for their own good and lost 10 games extra, I think, this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I need to see <clears throat> sort of a hybrid. I understand that there is a, a place for analytics in baseball and Craig, to you, to your point, I do consider myself to be a little bit more old school when it comes to the approach of things. I, I do value the intuitive feel when it comes to managing a game. Um, but I also do value the the aspect of analytics. I do think it does have a place, you know, measurables matter. But I don't think you need to go strictly one way or the other. I think a, a nice balance of the two uh, needs to be enforced. And to be, again, so strict in your ways without any sort of fluidity, you're sort of just shooting yourself in the foot. And I, I just don't see how you can be successful doing that. Prove me wrong. I would love them too. But I, I just personally don't see it. Um, for me, a, a, a impact signing needs to happen. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they need to spend a lot of money or have one of these high-valued free agents like uh, Springer, like a real Muto. All I care about is production. So if they sign someone and there's production there, and it maybe not to the tier of a Springer or a Real Muto, but it does excel the club to be better, sure, let me have it. But you can't – so many off-seasons that the Jays have had where – and we've touched on this before – where it's, oh, the Blue Jays are in on this guy. Oh, the Blue Jays are interested in this guy. Oh, the Blue Jays have touched base with this guy. And it just doesn't happen with the exception of Ryu. Really, it, most recently, that's the only exception. Um, I need to see something more. I need to see them aggressive. I need to see a put-up-or-shut-up sort of mentality with this team. And if they're not going to do it, 
then maybe they're just I'm just putting this out there. Maybe the front office is really good at game, but they're not good in pursuit of free agents. Maybe they're just not good at that negotiation, but they're really good at identifying talent that they could use that is cheap, that is uh, has control to them. They're really good at that, maybe good at acquiring talent. And that's fine. People have their strengths and weaknesses. We see Dave Dombrowski is really good at acquiring talent, really good at being aggressive, but he's not good when it comes to building a farm. He just wants to blow it up and sign all these players to to make an impact. That's the opposite side of the equation. Maybe Shapiro and Atkins are just really good at building a club and watching it flourish. That could be true. And if that's the case, maybe a changing of the guard down the line is necessary if they can't get it done. But they have to get it done. They have to have the ammunition to do so. You have the money. You have the prospect pool. There should be no excuses. And I understand when it comes to free agents, they have to want to come to Toronto. We've covered this on topic one today. But when it comes to trades, there are no excuses. You can't try to win every single trade. You have to give a little in order to get what you need to get to propel this club. And if you're not going to do it, I'm sorry, you're not the, the people for this job. So what I need to see is I need to see clear aggression. I need to see a clear motive to a console of being consistent contenders. And if you're not going to do it, Give the job to someone else. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up Dave Dombrowski. Imagine field day he'd have trading ways. Oh my god! Farm system. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool. So fast. <laughs> uh, good deal. But we'd be the Red Sox, anyways. Um, <laughs> Craig, you you mentioned Twitter questions, so we should maybe address those. Okay, so you want to close. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're like an hour in, right? So we're at norms. So anyway, our friend Nick, frequent uh, frequent question asker, uh, rumor has Springer is five to one hundred odds on signing with the Blue Jays. How much do you think it will actually take him to sign with the Blue Jays and years? Uh, we we said I think Brandon last time we spoke about this we when um. Yeah, I think we said eight years would probably get the the job done, and so we'd sign him until he's thirty nine. Um, I don't so know. So five for one fifty. You think we have to go all way over that? Oh yeah, that's not gonna get it done. Get, yeah. That's not gonna get it done. I hear much too. Yeah. Like I said, Sorry. like he said, rumor has it <laughs> that that's what he's looking for to get him yeah. to come north of the border. I'm with you. I think we need to blow up the freaking checkbook and. Let him have a bright blank check and just spend what he wants and how long. <laughs> Maybe yeah. seven and an option. I, I agree. Where would you guys go? Like, because like five one or one fifty over five is thirty million a year, and I think thirty million per year for Springer, while that looks really good in the books right now, it's a lot. And I'd be yeah. happy if they signed him to that as a baseline, but anything more, it's just like. Uh, it's getting tough. Ideally, I'd like to have him at $25 million per year, and I'd be thrilled with that. But like, would like, more years, I'm assuming? I'd give him perfectly fine. I'd be fine with seven, seven one fifty if that got it done. Just give him more term. So that brings it down to – actually, seven brings it down to like 22, 21.5 mil. So I would do six, six one fifty, And I think it's done. I think he needs more money if you add more years. Yeah. So it's tough. Like – Thirty million a year for Springer, while he's a very, very good player. That's that's pricey. That's very, very pricey. I don't think he's going to get that. I don't. Uh, just given this market. 
everybody's looking to cheap out right now. So I'd be curious to see if the Mets, the Mets would be the only ones that would be holding that us to that number, I think. And right now, that's where our competition is. I think the Mets will do it. Blue Jays have to this point because if they put one in at five years, which I think they're perfectly fine to do, uh, go five. Like, have they gone five one twenty or have they done five one twenty five? Like, if, I wish we had the answers to these questions because I would like to know how far off they are and where the Mets are too. Because of the two, at some point, Steve Cohen is just gonna be like, guys, do it right now, please. Let's, yes. let's just get him in the building. <laughs> You know, I think Cohen's the kind of you know, right now he's in a position where he I mean, this is boy. So he's probably in a position where he's like, what are the Jays offering? Five at one fifty. Fuck it. Six at one seventy five. Like he'll just it will be a bidding war. And I think because of the stubbornness that we mentioned about the Blue Jays, I don't see them. I think they're going to be like, fine, go. They're not gonna get the, no, they're not. And and I think, yeah, badly that they have to throw a brick of money at it like that i don't think for a brick for a bidding war for the right price i think they're in all day every day yeah, yeah I, I think five one twenty five is a good estimate to put down on the table 25 million a year and this is the other thing that i wish that we had the answers to is just like what is the holdup for one of these teams to meet his price like are they both hoping he comes down because clearly maybe the mets have a price point where they won't go over because just between two teams and you know what they want. Are they just waiting Springer out and Springer content waiting them out to finally come up to them? Or are they going to wait him out to come down a little bit? At which point, maybe it gets into a little bit of a bidding war. I don't know. It's tough. It's so read where it's at right now. I think they were, everybody, honestly, I think every team in baseball was waiting for a brick to fall. I think that Snell trade just set the market. And the U Darvish trade. Yeah. The U Darvish trade. Didn't even touch on either, which was a steal for yeah. the uh, San Padres. Right. It was clearly, yes, the Cubs gave up some good minor league prospects, but it was clearly a money dodge for the Cubs yes. in that trade, 100%. And in all reality, we didn't talk too much about it, but we talked about it a lot the other day about what a comparable Blue Jay package would have been for Snell. Mm-hmm. And it was not too far off. We were able to construct some interesting options for what it would have looked like to sell, but we would we all agreed that we would have had to throw in like another like throw yes. in Roddy Telez to make it the interdivision trade. And in all reality, they don't really need the other major league. So right. that's right. <laughs> what it comes down to. Which we were talking it was gonna include Danny Jansk as the main catcher that they wanted in that trade. Mm. We would have had to probably throw in Simeon Woods because the Blue Jays are not going to throw out similar to what the, the Padres did with their uh, holding on to uh, uh, Paddock. Yep. We would have helped pick Nate Pearson to ours, our next best guy. And then we would have probably had to pepper in two other guys. And then, like I said, another major leaguer of some sort that's cheap. That's why I used Roddy Telez in that exam. Right. So, right. And in all reality, he'll, he's going to continue. To I don't care what anybody fucking says. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, kind of glad right now that Roddy Telez is still going to be a Blue Jay because I'm hey, right now. If nothing happens, guys, is it really Vlad Jr.'s spot to to steal third base right now and run away with it? We don't have anybody else to fucker. Is this team? This team's a better team with Roddy Telez playing first base and Vlad over at third and having the revolving DH spot in it. Yeah. So <laughs> unless something crazy happens. <laughs> so, so sounds like we're in agreement with the that we're not out of the ballpark with that five for one fifty, but we would like it to be a little cheaper. 
And we honestly think it's probably going to be more and crazier than that. Five for one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think if they, if, if they signed him tomorrow or after we hop off the podcast, we see uh, Blue Jays and Sun Springer <laughs> five one fifty. I would be thrilled with that. But I think if a year to maybe even three years down the road, we'd be like, what the, like, what were we doing signing this year? Like I said before, Vernon Wells all over again. <laughs> <laughs> then you're, then you're that that contract got moved. <laughs> so we have uh two other questions both from sister with a bolter our you know one of our long time sure. list yeah. uh first one who should be the jays number one pitching target whether it's through trade or offseason signing for a free agent walker i think walker. that's what they should just because the familiarity and he wants to be here and i think that can get done quicker so i'd say walk yeah i agree I'd probably go Tywin Walker as a signing. Um, Oda Rizzi, not too far behind him because they were very interested in him last year. And it did seem like if he did not choose to go back to the Twins on the qualifying offer, he was going to come. So Oda Rizzi and Walker, I kind of look at it very similar. Um, either would be happy with but the familiarity pushes Walker over Oda Rizzi for me. Uh, trade, I think we talked about it last week, Luis Castillo. Uh, if he's available, That's- go get him. After all this Blake Snell stuff and everything, you just set what that trade probably should look like. Yeah. Major League Baseball. And honestly, the Blue Jays are the only ones I think that really have the capital that the Reds would want in that kind of a trade in return anyway. And all rumors go, guys, I think the Reds actually sound like they're fucking blowing it up. Doesn't it? It sounds like everybody's available and on the table right now. I don't know. And it doesn't sound like they're trying to improve the current team. They're trying to look forward a little bit. So maybe they're trying to extend that window kind of thing. But who knows, right? Oh, they also yeah, spent so much money on Castellanos last season. <laughs> yeah. If the Cubs are to be building, then uh, Kyle Hendricks is right up there with Luis Castillo for me, too. Kyle Hendricks would be fantastic. It'd be a sneaky one. Who the Cubs is talking about what they did with uh, Hugh Darvish, you know? Hendricks yeah. has, what, a two on his contract or something, that giant extension? Yeah, yeah. There could be a nice package there that we would we, we'd have some solid money allocated to a good major league baseball pitcher so oh, thank you one brennan i like that we should talk about that next week <laughs> Do it. so then the last question that she had was uh will the jays spend more money free agent dollars wise on their starting rotation or their bulk <laughs> it's a fucking hard question because in all reality say... they want a back end guy where you're gonna have to throw a bunch of money at and we need starters so <laughs> I don't see them signing any free agent pitchers. Maybe J-Hap. Maybe. So and at a minimum, you're talking low end of the bucket as far as free agent dollars going into your uh, starting rotation. Yeah, I think so we're going Unless we're, if we're signing Walker, then I'll say, all right, they're going to spend more on starting pitching. But if they don't land Walker, because there's also this rumor out there that he really liked his time in Seattle, so maybe he'll go back there. Um, but if they, if they don't land him, I can totally see them spending more free agent wise when it comes to the bullpen in comparison to the starting rotation. However, that does not exclude trade and what they're going to have to pay if they trade for someone impactful. So if we're talking straight free agency, if they don't sign Walker, I can see them spending more on the bullpen. I know there's a lot of layers to this. If if they can spend a a whole lot more. Yes, yeah, it has to be free agent. If they're not signing Walker, they're going to spend more on the bullpen. 
Brennan? Yeah. I really think that that bullpen signing is somebody like Brad Hand. That costs them what, maybe around nine, $8 million per year. <laughs> Liam Hendricks, too. Yeah, one of those two guys. They, again, they've been connected to everyone, but one of those two um, would push it to probably about eight, $10 million per year on a deal, maybe a, a smidge more than that. Whereas, yeah, I mean, the thing is with the rotation, they do have interpreted if they want to uh, really work it. Uh, kind of like they did, yeah, kind of like what they did in the 2015 rotation where you opened it up with Sanchez and Daniel Norris uh, behind Ari Dickey, Mark Burley, um, and I, oh, and Drew Hutchison. Um, so in a way, there were risks in that rotation uh, where Hutchison still wasn't a for sure thing, even though 2014 was really damn good. Um, so, yeah, I could strictly free agency. I agree with your answer 100%, Adam. If you don't sign Walker or if you don't sign Odorizzi or whoever it is, then yeah, the bullpen for sure. Are we in agreement that they're probably not going to sign Bauer? I think that ship has sailed. Uh, yeah. As much as I'd love to have like it, it happening. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard anything Bauer Blue Jays really. Actually, any Bauer related for quite a while. On brand, dude. He just screams Dodger to me. Yeah. I think that the recent moves in the positive force the hands of the Dodgers to make yeah. a splash. Yeah. yeah. That you can't spell any better than a splash right now to making up the losses that they've had in that starting rotation and to sign Bauer to match up with Kershaw. Yeah. <laughs> Less team like the Diamondbacks or the Rockies that just are like, oh, we got excuse you guys too. <laughs> hey, we're still here. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like the Orioles all of a sudden signing them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I mean, there's a sneaky option for him. That's, That's been another team I've seen with the Giants. All right. Uh, that was the final question you said, Craig? I'm out. All right. All right. So that's going to do it for today's show. Um, guys. 2020 is just about to end again like i said previously in the show that could be a good thing it probably is a good thing 2021 is a better year it looks like it will be in terms of how we view sports and how we can be together when it comes to these things um hopefully that means increasing the fan attendance at baseball games if they can do that in terms of vaccines in terms of testing in terms of immediate results when it comes to testing um all of the above let's hope let's keep our fingers crossed that this happens um, but all in all, I do want to say this. I joined this team in the early part of 2020. This has been great. And I cannot see anything but uh, increase in everything when it comes to 2021, when it comes to Jaybird watching. Um, the participation that we've been getting when it comes to the viewers and listeners when it comes to the show has been phenomenal. I hope that increases. I hope that increases and continues rather to grow. Um we haven't missed a beat. We've been doing this consistently on a weekly basis, and uh, I'm proud to be part of this team. So hopefully 2021 uh, gives us uh, a whole lot to cheer about when it comes to the Blue Jays and a whole lot to look forward to when it comes to this podcast. So continue to listen. We'll still be here uh, April 1st, at least on paper. We're going to do another <laughs> opening day uh, live stream to, for you guys to enjoy. But uh, let's end this as we usually do. Uh, two claps and a Ric Flair, and uh, let's go Blue Jays. Let's go, boys. Let's go Bills too, huh?
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.